Expats Talk. I'm your host, Nathan, and I want to introduce Donnie. How you doing, Donnie? Hey, how are you? I'm pretty good. So, Donnie, why don't you do a little short intro? Um, sure. I'm Donnie Does. Also, might know me as the Wonton Don. Um, I've uh, spent almost like eight to nine years living out in China. After my first year there, I started putting out some YouTube vids, um, which is kind of like a, it's kind of like a brand of troll comedy. And then it also just became sort of a cultural exploration fish out of water show, um, where it was almost like I was doing social experiments and trying to expose what it's like to live in China to um, a lot of people back in the West but do it in a very absurd and comedic manner. All right, so we'll, we'll get into the history and how it all started and how you ended up in China, but what are you doing now? So you work at Barstool Sports. You're the Barstool Sports foreign correspondent. Tell us what that's all about. Um, yeah, I had always followed Barstool and I knew they were always sharing funny videos on their website. So when I started to make videos in China, um, I would always send them over to them and they posted maybe three of them. And those were obviously the ones that got the most views because they could actually expose my content to uh, a larger audience. And then they, maybe four years ago, five years, they started to expand. They got some investment. So they were trying to hire more people, do different types of content. And um, it took, this was like, it took me two years to, to really pitch this to them. I sent a bunch of emails. Dave Portnoy would, which he would respond to one and then not to the next five. <laughs> but um, I, I was finally able to get in front of him and uh, pitch the concept of me making content for them abroad in China. And he was like, yeah, we'll try it out. And um, that was actually right when I was almost gonna give up on making videos or at least like, like, I love making videos, so I would always do it every once in a while, but it was at the point where I was looking into finding like another type of full-time job where I wouldn't have that much time to devote to making these vids. Because for like five to eight years, or no, for like five years, I was pretty much just doing them for fun. You know, I wasn't really making a living off of them. But he agreed to take a chance on me, so I went back out to China and filmed um, content out there for like three and a half years, four years. And I was, I was getting ready to leave China. I still wanted to be Barstool's foreign correspondent, but I was ready to base myself somewhere, somewhere else, whether it was just another foreign country or I go back to the US and just travel from the US, I didn't know. But I went back to um, the US for New Year's to see family and friends. And while I was here in the country, that's when Corona broke out in China. Um, and I just wasn't able to get back into China. So now I'm living in New York, and um, yeah, the plan is to 
still focus on creating foreign content for Barstool, but just be based in New York and do like three to five trips abroad each year. Cool. Um, Is I'm that where going, Barstool's I'm, I'm going to headquartered? In a week. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I cut you off. I think there's a little delay uh, here. I just said, I, uh, as of now, I'm actually planning on going to Colombia on December 26th, which will be my like first time out of the country in a year. Oh, badass. So that's for content? Yeah. I would just, I don't know if it's the, the best time to travel, but it was getting a little stir-crazy. So does Donnie, is he a big cocaine fan or something? It's funny, like, I could probably incorporate that joke into videos before Barstool just did a deal with um, Penn Gaming, and they're, like, a giant casino company. Yeah. So I think they're just trying to tone down, like, open use of drugs. Or I mean, you can do a joke about drugs, but I'm not going to be doing, like, cocaine reviews down there. Okay. This doesn't really, yeah. really align with the corporate values of a gambling company. Please keep that to the bathroom yeah, you know, stall. They want you to gamble responsibly, not on cocaine. Well, they want you to do coke in the bathroom discreetly. I just don't think they want it in anybody's face. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Um, no, but that's like, I don't know. I, I will probably do some narco tourism and stuff just where you're learning about the history of Pablo, es uh, Pablo Escobar. But, you know, also just trying to show people that there's more to Colombia than, than cocaine. Yeah, or, there's... There's this coffee we'll company called Utopian, and um, I'm doing a little work with them, actually. They, they do this great program where they basically transform coca leaf farms to coffee bean farms. And the farmers oh, cool. can essentially get out of the drug trade and then make a you know a living for themselves and make a product that can be sold all over the world. So check them out if, if you're into Colombian things that aren't cocaine. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And yeah. I mean, I I hear Colombian coffee is also very good. That's what they say. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of a tea drinker myself, but uh, yeah, I okay. still drink coffee from time to time. Um, yeah, so I never got to like officially say goodbye to China. I thought I was leaving for a month, and it ended up I left permanently. We actually we just got all of our belongings in China shipped here. Yeah, the same thing happened to me. I came over here in January to Austin. And I was still, I still had my job in China. My family was over here. Then COVID really hits big in like late January in China. They, they stopped covering it up at that point And they're like, oh, we got to do something about it. So I just like decided I'd stay here. I'm like, I'm not going back there. It was, you know, at that time it was a little scary. Nobody really knew what to expect. So I just decided to stay. And then I, I worked remote. I was staying up all night for about six months working during China office hours. It was terrible. But I eventually yeah. resigned from my job and I, I started my own business here in Austin doing similar things, but just U.S. based at the moment. Okay. And yeah, so six months of working the night shift. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Well, yeah, let's get into China and, and how you got over there. So what what brought Donnie over there? Like, what was the inspiration for that? Um, a friend from college, uh, Rob, he was the one who convinced me to move out to China. He was the year below me in college and he had gone abroad to Shanghai and he yeah. loved it so much. He just decided to stay in China and, and, and not go back to college. But I was the year older than him. So I graduated and I didn't want to jump right into a nine to five. Um, and he was like, dude, you got to come to China. There's a lot of opportunities out here. You'll love it. 
he was saying how much fun it was. He was starting like a uh, party bus company in Shanghai. Oh, badass. And um, I was like, yeah, I'll give that a go for, for 10 months. I ended up being told by some crooked recruiter that like I couldn't get a job in Shanghai because I wasn't older than 25 and I didn't have two years teaching experience. So he like convinced me to go work in Guangzhou, China for a year. Wow. Um, which, uh, you know, my first three weeks, I hated it because I was like, I'll work in Guangzhou, but um, I don't speak any Chinese. So if I could live with a couple other teachers there or if we could live kind of near downtown, that would be helpful. And he was like, yeah, no problem. And I was just put in an apartment by myself on the outskirts of China. Um, or the outskirts so, of Guangzhou. Like, what was that? The outskirts of Guangzhou, was it? Yeah, yeah, the outskirts, yeah. Like, bumblefuck Guangzhou. So the first three weeks were tough, but, um, you know, all it takes is really making one friend, and then that, like, then you meet all of their friends. And uh, So I met a dude from Liverpool, and he kind of, like, took me into his group. He was hanging out with a bunch of other crazy people from Liverpool and Manchester, all, like, northern UK, and I was the token American. Um, but yeah, I mean, those guys are still friends to this day. I haven't seen them for a while, but if I hadn't have met them, I probably wouldn't have stayed in China more than a few months. Do you get that vibe? Like when you make friends abroad, it's, there's a bit of a tighter bond that, that develops, I think right off the bat. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even more so in Guangzhou than in Shanghai, like in Shanghai, the expat population was just growing and growing and growing to the point where like. You know, in Guangzhou, if I saw an expat walking down the street, I would say hi for sure, because you just weren't seeing uh, as many of them. Yeah. But in Shanghai, it got to the point where you go to certain stores in the French concession, and it's it's all foreigners. You don't even see a single person born in China. Um, yeah, some French guy's going to scoff at you if you give him the nod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so, but I mean, I've also had experiences in Shanghai where... You know, I feel just as close with someone I've known for a year there as I do with someone I've known for five years back in the U.S. Word. Yeah, I get that feeling. And I lived in a city called Nanchang when I first moved over to China. This is 2008. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Nanchang is, is I'd say, the Charleston, West Virginia of China. It's, it's <laughs> uh, if that if that means anything to you. So, no, that means a lot, but that... I mean that's pretty bad but is it more like the cincinnati i don't know no 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 no, no. Okay, i think yeah. the cincinnati would be in hefei province i think anhui is the yeah. ohio and jiangxi is the west virginia yeah but, <laughs> i i can see it um and then something about nanchang you know okay so every stereotype about china people drive crazy it's loud it seems like people are yelling at each other when they're just talking. So these are things that foreigners will often say about China. And it's, you know, some people might say that's racist or it's a stereotype or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the Chinese say it about Nanchang. They're like, oh, Nanchang. People drive crazy there. It's so loud. Like every stereotype that like Americans might say about China, Chinese say about Nanchang. That's, that's one thing I discovered about the place. But, you know, moving to Shanghai, things change a lot. It's it's a lot more global, cosmopolitan. 
So that bus company you talked about, I think I remember a promo for that. I think you had just become really popular in Shanghai. I think like your Donnie Does videos were were on Reddit all the time and people knew who you were, people knew your name. And I think I saw you in a bus promo video once. Yeah, you you probably did. And the Reddit Shanghai community was not a fan of my vids. No, they sure. weren't. They're such haters. Yeah, I mean, there are, a lot of people kind of just thought I was being 100% serious and it wasn't like <laughs> satire sort of, or I wasn't doing a sort of like, I wasn't purposely trolling. And then some other people were like, oh, you're going to do something crazy on video and ruin it for the rest of us foreigners. Um, I think a lot of them are wasn't really just jealous. The case. I mean, I think it was actually because Shanghai has changed and like, um, like the amount of freedom that foreigners have out there has changed for sure. But I think that might be more due to worsening U.S. and China relations as like as like a whole. Yeah, that's part of it for sure. I'd say like yeah. last summer is when it really heated up. At least in Shang, were you there a lot in 2019 summer? Um, not for like a lot of the summer, but um, I was there. Yeah, I was there for the first part of the summer. So you know how they would started raiding bars? They'd lock the doors and yeah. pee test everybody inside. They started doing that every weekend, including some weeknights for like almost the whole summer. So people just stopped going out, and it was it was a real disaster. I had a old colleague, a European girl, 25 years old or so, doesn't do any drugs, very healthy, and she's out for a run one night, and she sees a friend outside of a Hollywood bar. And she stops and chats. And then all of a sudden, like a bunch of cops roll up and they push them inside. And then their girls, I guess they didn't make them pee test on site. So they brought them to jail. They lock her up. They put they take her phone away. They snip her hair to test her hair. And then the next day they come back with the results and she's clean and she can go free. But she had to spend the night in jail with no phone or any way to contact anybody. There's no like pay phone to call your mom or whatever, you know, That's crazy. it's pretty and she was just going out for a jog. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I was seeing the photos where the people would just have like a patch of hair missing from the back of their head. Yeah. <laughs> it was absurd. Like the visuals of just cops walking in, like lining people against the wall and just being like, zzz, zzz, zzz. yeah, it's insane. Shaving the back of their head. I guess they just snipped off a little bit. It wasn't really noticeable when she came into work on yeah. Monday, but still, I mean, what a shitty way to spend your weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I didn't really have any serious legal trouble out there. Um, and I, I definitely wasn't the smartest. I mean, I don't, I think in most of my vids, I wasn't like causing serious problems for Chinese people. Um, you know, most of the time they would find it funny as well, or at least like, uh, they would find it, uh, just intriguing, I guess. They yeah, it wasn't mean-spirited, like, right? Yeah. Like, if you look um, at somebody like Jake Paul, he was in Japan. Everybody knows that he did that Forest of the Dead or, like, the Suicide Forest. Yeah. But he did another video Logan before Paul that where he's it. going around Tokyo throwing, like, Pokeballs at people. That it's shit right, was yeah. not cool. Like, it, people were not in on the joke. It was not friendly. It was just mean and obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say your content is, is nothing like that. It's not for everybody. I know a lot of those Reddit haters, they, they were not a fan, but I think it's pretty goddamn yeah. good. 
So how did when did, like, when did you start in Shanghai? Um, I think I got there in 2011. Okay. Um, I was in Guangzhou 2010. And I got to Shanghai 2011. Um, and yeah, I mean, my content's evolved a bit where it's like, at like a lot of the first videos, it's like, we're just going to show up to this event in China and, um, I'm going to act exactly like how I'd act back. Like I'm going to act like your stereotypical Bostonian who's never left Massachusetts in his life, but we're going to throw him in these weird situations in China. Uh, he's not really going to change the way he acts and um, we're going to see what happens. Um, and now like some of my more recent bits have become more travel show esque, where it's like, I'm actually trying to, um, you'll have your absurd like moments, but then I might throw on a VO that actually teaches people about what's going on. Like shooting rocket launchers in Cambodia, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, Hey, if you want to shoot a rocket launcher in Cambodia, this is how you can, or like, um, no, I was more talking about like, I did a documentary about joining a Chinese football team and like, um, about the whole league but then i feel like through the process of the series you actually you get to learn a little bit about what football is like in china but just a little bit about china in general because we traveled to hong kong for the show we traveled to third tier china which was in hefe i think mm. um and uh we travel around uh we also went to Chengdu, and so you get to see different parts of the country and things like that this is american football right yeah. Was it mostly Chinese guys on the teams? Um, yeah, it was maybe like 60% Chinese and 40% foreigner. Um, it, there was a, a wide cast of characters. I mean, we had the team range from we had a Chinese female on the team, and then we also had a dude from the U.S. who, like, walked on to LSU. Damn. Was she, so uh... it's a very wide range in skill sets. We also had like a Lithuanian, a Russian, um, a French Chinese guy, and then a bunch of Chinese guys. A few of them were really good. We had like a 350 pound offensive lineman. And like, I would say like a lot of the Chinese players were better than me. And they probably practice a lot more too, right? Yeah. And a lot of them have like full-time jobs. Like a lot of them had already graduated from college and they would, they would work a full-time job, but then like their passion was playing football when they're not at work. Yeah, man, if they're going to invest in those pads, these guys must be pretty serious. Yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm guessing they watched NFL on 10 cent sports. I know they had like a streaming deal with them. Oh yeah. Chinese people love American football. I mean, I don't think you can say all Chinese people, but I was in like a, Patriots fans of China group chat on WeChat and it was always blowing up. Yeah, there's like over a billion people. There's the there's bound to be enough people who like football for the NFL to have an office in Shanghai. Yeah. Alright, so 2011, that's when you came to Shanghai. That was Hu Jintao's China. That was before Xi Jinping. Do you have any perspective on that? Like, what was it like in the early days, the Hu Jintao days versus the Xi Jinping days? What do you think? I guess when I first got to China, it was almost like adult Disney World to an extent. Like, 
if you were Chinese, there was obviously they were still very strict on all the rules you have to follow. But being a foreigner out there, they were like, okay, you guys just do whatever it is that you do, as long as you're not involving Chinese people or committing crimes. We're kind of we're we're just gonna let you slide. And so, just there's all a, a lot of absurd situations out there. Like it didn't really like a lot of my friends are saying, how can you go live in this authoritarian country? But to me, <laughs> when I first got to China, I felt like I was a lot more free than I am back in the U.S. And did it change at all, like, maybe after 2016, 2017, around then? Um, yeah, that, that's probably around the time that it started to change. But, I mean, it was mainly small things, like... Um, Obviously, if like, it wouldn't be really safe to smoke weed there if you're worried because they would do raids and stuff. But I, obviously, that's not something I'm saying I probably should have been doing beforehand. But oh, um, that was just your friend, right? That wasn't you. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm I know when I me. first got to China, like I knew foreigners who would just like smoke joints on the way home in the cab, and if anybody was like, "Hey, yeah. what's that smell?" You'd be like, "It's an American cigarette." Um, I don't. Then, I don't know how every foreigner got the memo on that, but I've heard that from so many people. Oh, it's American tobacco. It's American cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I never was like super afraid out there. Even I did have run-ins with police, and I was always just like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Like, um, like I danced on the court at a Shanghai Sharks game, and I was just like, "I'm sorry. I didn't really in America." Um, like I, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to do that and he was like well in China we have a rule that you can't dance on the court and I was like I'm so sorry and then he let me go um, so yeah like a lot of white white privilege when when I first got out there it was almost it, I don't call it I wouldn't even call it white privilege but a lot of police officers just probably didn't really feel comfortable dealing with foreigners and so they're like, as, as long as this foreigner isn't isn't causing like a huge scene or putting people in harm's way, I'm just gonna let them be weird over there. Like I'm not getting involved. They're not paying me enough to deal yeah, with exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not yeah. paid enough for this shit. Yes. Like I don't need. I don't know if they have quotas or anything, but but then I think the reason they started to crack down is because they were given quotas. Like I'm sure when they were doing all the raids, they're like, we need to arrest. 30 foreigners like each cop needs to at least arrest 10 foreigners each month or something like that yeah something like that they they sent down some new police chief or some kind of head honcho police guy from beijing xi jinping sent him to shanghai to reform the allegedly corrupt police department of shanghai which i can believe it because you remember the mansion you remember that yeah. place yeah so the yeah. mansion was sorry were you saying something no, I'm just saying that place was outrageous. Yeah, so that place opened probably 2012, and I'll just explain it for anybody listening or watching. So it was a mansion in a kind of suburban area of Shanghai. It was out in Minhong, out in the west, near Hongqiao Airport. And it was a gated community, and it was right next to a giant highway. And there was a wall there by the highway, and there was a tiny little hobbit door, like hobbit-sized door that you could climb through and there was a big mansion and it was probably mostly soundproof 
you go inside, it's a big party. There's a bar on the first floor and like a lounge area. Then you go in the basement, it's this crazy nightclub. And for a while there, you could just buy drugs there, like straight up. You could just buy ecstasy or, or some kind like BKMDMA, some kind of research chemical under the bar table. Like some of the people would just sell it there. So it was a fucking wild place. And the parties would rage until like 10 in the morning oftentimes. So this place, it had a doorman, and it was this really big guy. Do you remember that guy? He's like big, middle-aged Chinese man, really tall. Yeah. So was, he lived uh, in Jing'an, and I, I ran into him at a bar one night, and I started chatting with him, and he told me all this stuff. He was saying that they were able to keep it open because he knew all the police chiefs, and he just kept things groovy with them, essentially. But as soon as that shake-up came to, from Beijing, this was like the summer of 2019, by the time Halloween rolled around, this guy had no more pull with the police departments, and they raided the mansion, and it was it was gone by the end of the year. You lost all the Guangxi. What's that? You oh. lost all the Guangxi. Yeah, yeah, he lost all the Guangxi, and for, for anybody who doesn't know, Guangxi is the Chinese term for relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. The weird thing about that place, too, is, like, it was way out in, uh, what's that area called? Minhang. Minhang, yeah, yeah. So that's like where a lot of the high schoolers live too. So I'm, I'm sure they would be like, "Hey, mom, I'm going over to my friend's house," and they would just go to the mansion, which is oh, this yeah. like crazy, raging drug den where it's like you would find people of all different ages from all over the world just in some residential neighborhood raging in the basement. Yeah, it's one of the last places you want your 16 year old daughter to go. Yes. Yeah. Dude, I remember they used to have a lot of models that would go there, like European models, and they got in free yeah. or something. They were, there was child models there for a while. I'd, I'd see like a 12-year-old girl hanging out there till 6 in the morning, and I'm, I'm rolling my face off, and I'm just looking at her like, what is she doing here? Where are her parents? But I, she was one of those foreign models, and somebody made a stink about it eventually, and then the, the mansion made a big announcement like, oh, we're not letting child models in anymore. It's like... Thank God. Please Round don't. Applause. Yeah, I don't I don't want to see them there. I don't want to be within a 30 feet vicinity of them when I'm fucked up like that. Yeah. Um so I wanted to ask you what's what's like the craziest thing you experienced in China or the weirdest thing? Um abroad or in China? All right. Just abroad actually. Yeah, period. I mean, one of the coolest things for me to see was um, I went to Tajikistan and um, I covered the sport of Buzkashi, which I had heard about, but um, just to see it firsthand was crazy. It's pretty much like headless goat polo. So there's like hundreds of people on horseback and the game, it's every man for himself and you win it by picking up a headless goat and dragging him like like into the end zone um and i mean i was just it was the probably the most the most out of place i'd ever felt because i show up i'm kind of the only foreigner there me and the camera guy and it's like that it's just it's such a bizarre scene um there's really no sidelines to the sport so there could just be a horse stampede and then you just have to run for your life jump out of the way of the horses dude we gotta watch that 
Let me, okay, I'm gonna yeah, try to pull I, I that up on Twitter. Yeah, I did one video on it, but um, at the same time, everybody was super friendly, so it was cool. I know, like, I think actually maybe six months prior to me arriving there, Tajikistan is normally a very safe country, but um, maybe nine months before I arrived, a couple American cyclists were biking down the road and they got ran off the road and then murdered by some people claiming um, allegiance with ISIS. And I didn't Jesus. really know about that until after I had arrived, but like all the people I met there were super friendly and it was just, it was an eye-opening experience to see a sport like that. All right, well, I pulled up an episode, or a little teaser at least. Should we watch this? Is this episode two? Would um, that be the right one? Yeah, see if you can find, um, if you search the word Booz Kashi, you might be able to find, like, the trailer All right, the video what's, I did. How do you spell that? B-U-Z-K-A-S-H-I. K-A-S-H-I, Booz Kashi. We got episode two again. Uh, okay, let's just watch this one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're in some giant marketplace. I think we're here because Jamal wanted to buy some rice so we can make some plov. I don't really know what plov is, but he's been raving about it. I can show you how to prepare traditional Tajik plov on the mountain. This is very difficult, but I will show you. And then from there, we went to our first Booz Kashi match. I did almost get run over. Kashi was one of the wildest things I've witnessed in my life, but you'll have to wait for that video to see more footage. Alright, so everybody check out Barstool Sports, try to find this video. Remember how to spell Buzkashi. Yeah. Dude dude, that dude who took you around, what was his name again? Jamal. Jam oh Jamal. He, Is it yeah, like he was hilarious. He like made the series. Like American black guy Jamal, or a little different Jamal? J-A-M-O-L, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Slightly different. Yes. <laughs> he was very different. I don't think he had ever met a black guy in his life. <laughs> but no, didn't he love Jordan or something? I remember watching those videos. Or he... <laughs> No, I think I, I asked him to name a player in the NBA. I asked him to name three players in the NBA, and I think Michael Jordan was the only player that he could name. You see, I'm not like a I'm not a big sports guy, but I follow Barstool, and you're actually what turned me on to them because I, I wasn't too familiar. But, dude, I love the – how do you say his last name? Is it Portnoy? Dave Portnoy? Portnoy. Portnoy, Okay. Like yeah. every everything Barstool does is 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 hilarious, and you know, like you you think you're following it to like learn about the Red Sox or something, but you're seeing this shit in this Buzkashi in Tajikistan. So pretty pretty interesting stuff you guys are doing over there. Yeah, I mean they're definitely trying to diversify the content. So you know, if you like if if you don't like 
some of the guys there, you'll at least find a few guys that you do like. Are there a lot um, of like it can meet like, I guess they're trying to put out content that can please a lot of different, uh, a lot of different audiences. Okay. Uh, well, since we got the little screen share thing up here, you told me that you lived in two foreign countries. So you lived in China. We talked about that. Where else did you live? Um, in college, I just did like a program in Botswana, but that was, yeah, I was probably only there for four months. So I don't know if you can say I lived there, but I did a couple homestays and things like that. Yeah. If you did school like a semester, I think that counts. And that gives you yeah. the big announcement. Oh, sweet. Let's go. All right, we got to play that every time. It's just the format. I don't make the rules. It's just what I have to do. And so you get two it. Mr. Worldwides. To be on this show, to be on Expats in Air, you need at least one Mr. Worldwide. That means you've lived in one foreign country. If you got five, obviously that means you lived in five foreign countries. If you got six, well, you don't get six Mr. Worldwides. We're just going to cut it off at five. I think that's enough. Okay. It's the star rating. How about you? How many, how many countries have you lived in? I got four Mr. Worldwides. Now, are you considering Hong Kong and China, two different countries? Uh, I actually never lived in Hong Kong. We don't have to get political. We don't have to get political. It's fine. It, no, but it's interesting you mentioned that because when I was little, I lived in Taiwan. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. this is the mid-90s. I, was, I moved there when I was yeah. eight. I left when I was 11. And I would say that's living in a country that's not China. I would say that. Yep. If you're in yep, the mainland yeah. and you're Chinese, you probably wouldn't say that simply because you don't believe it or you don't want to get in trouble because it's a it's a touchy subject. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need to get too into that. Um, I would say, like, I don't know, there's, there's, I've been put in so many weird situations out in China, like, too. Um, I know we talked about Buskaji, but, I mean, China, if I think about it, probably some of the weirdest scenarios I'll ever be in in my life, um, sort of in terms of the white face jobs as well, like <laughs> being hot. Like I, I was flown out to Zhengzhou, China, whatever it's called, and Zhengzhou. had to give a talk to an auditorium of maybe 300 Chinese senior citizens about some dietary supplement that if they would take it, it could maybe extend their life by five to 10 years. Um, and. I was not a doctor. They had me like tell them I was a PhD, but uh, you pretty much, you walk up on stage, you give a PowerPoint um, and then they fly you back and, and pay you like $500. Maybe yeah, like 2,500 RMB. So I don't know how much USD that is. It's yeah, a bit less than 500. Yeah. yeah. But there's, there's all sorts of those. Not anymore. I think China has become smart to them but there just seems to be a, a bunch of these white face gigs where like we need you to pretend like you're a businessman we need you to pretend to be a doctor yeah pretend to be a chef wear a chef hat yeah stand over there and then sometimes they were just like i had a job in shanghai once where i would go to g plus club and i just nice. i just had to be there from nine to two pretty much every night or every night i wanted to do it and they would pay me 40 bucks just to sit at a table and drink because they wanted just foreigners at the club because they thought if they had one table of foreigners, it would attract more foreigners. 
you were there to make it hot. Yes, I was. I was there to make it hot. One time, I remember I I made out with a Chinese girl on the dance floor, and my like boss there was like, "You need to only be making out with foreign chicks, okay? <laughs> we need you to be bringing more foreign chicks here, not more Chinese chicks." I swear, most racism is based on sexual competition. You see a guy who doesn't look yeah. like you, and he's with a woman that looks more like you. You start getting territorial or something, right? Yeah, no, he wasn't being territorial at all. Just he was like, he was paying me the forty bucks so I would attract more foreigners to the club. So just me, you know, dancing with a Chinese girl isn't really helping bring more foreigners. I don't to know the club. that that sounds like a good sales pitch to me. You should get this, this yeah. American guy having a great time. Oh, he met a girl. He's making out with her. I want to go to G plus, and I want to be like him. True. Very true. So, G G plus. That's a deep cut, man. I remember that play. That was in Shintian D, right? Yeah. Yeah. I used to go there for free booze. I wasn't paid to do it, but I got the the free booze. And how would you rate the quality of that free booze? Oh, I mean. So that's the thing about the job. Like I thought I was in heaven at first. I was fresh out of college, getting paid to just hang at a club. But then you realize that the balls of absolute are not absolute. They're it's completely fake booze that still gets you drunk, but it's such a weird drunk. Like I didn't, your hangovers would last the whole day. And even when you got drunk, it was kind of just like you just moved in slow-mo and then had this like crazy desire for McDonald's. And you would end most of the nights just like walking out of that place in the days, pounding like a hundred dollars worth of McDonald's, and then falling asleep and feeling like shit the entire next day. So when you made out with that girl, did somebody say this to you? No, that I, I have heard that a lot at Shanghai Sharks games, actually. <laughs> All right, man, let's get into that. Like, tell us the history of Donnie and the Shanghai Sharks. Um, uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite running bit I've had out there. It started off, me and a friend were like, hey, let's go to a Chinese basketball game, but you cheer them on like you're just as passionate about them as you would be the Boston Celtics. Um, and people really liked that bit. That actually got shared by Barstool Sports. And so I started to go back each season and film a few more vids. And um, I started seeing a lot of the same people there. Um, and after I danced on the court, um, they kind of didn't really want me going to the games, or at least when I went, I'd be just surrounded by cops to make sure I didn't do that again. So I filmed the whole video about showing up there wearing disguises. And I got caught three times in a row by the same person. <laughs> and uh, it was captain killjoy and so he kind of became a character in the series and then um i put out that vid and instead of the team being like oh god now you're you're really banned from games i can't believe you filmed that i got a call from the president and he was like i'm sorry for the way we treated you at games would you like <laughs> two courtside passes to like all next season um so then i filmed like a series of me just being the man there and uh, that was around the time I left China for a couple of years. I came back and I just filmed a bunch more vids there. And I knew I was leaving China soon, so I wanted like a big video to wrap it all up. Um, I didn't really, I didn't know how, but the first game I went to, I found out that they had banned booze at the games. 
and booze had become a big part of the videos because I would always drink three beers in the Fanta and I'd become friends with the concession girls. So when they banned booze, I was heartbroken. Um, and you'll just have to watch that video to find out what happened. But that's called The Dark Shark. It's the final chapter of the Shark Knight trilogy. Yeah, let's pull up the teaser for that on Twitter here. When I, but yeah, I got I visited my out of China halfway through that. Oh yeah. yeah sorry, I'll press play. I'll, I'll be quiet. You can play that. <laughs> Appreciated. When I visited my concession girls at halftime to drown my sorrows in beer and Fanta. Hey, Bobo. Oh, Hangzhou Jen, I'm back. I bet you didn't think I was coming back. I received news that shook me to my core. Moya, Sangha Pijo, Iga Fanta. No. Sangha Pijo? No, that's another. I don't want to mix in a water. I want to mix in three beers and a Fanta. <laughs> so at the next game, I taped a bunch of beers to my stomach to determine just how serious security was about this alcohol ban. Oh, no. No? How do you get this off? I wrapped this like five times. I don't know. I don't know how to get this off. Hold up. Do you guys, do you guys have like scissors? It was clear that if I wanted to get booze into the shock tank, I'd have to be a little more creative. So I ordered veterinarian syringes, bought a bunch of fruits and vegetables, and injected them full of vodka. A piece of fruit is not gonna set off the metal detectors at the shark tank. All right, so it turns out they have a no outside food policy, which means most of my fruit was just confiscated at security. No, it's I I need I need my vegetables. I have I have a medical condition. But I was able to shove a green pepper down my pants. And uh, all you gotta do is bite a little hole on the top, break out the Fanta, and this probably has like at least like six nips worth of vodka. It wasn't glamorous but I'd found a way to get buckled in the shack tank. Quite honestly, it's pathetic, but it works. And so, that's not over yet, but um, it gets even weirder. But uh, I got locked out of China halfway through filming that vid. I didn't get to film at the last game, so I was like, shit. I, you'll, you'll have to keep on watching. So I had to figure out a way to wrap up the video from uh, from outside of China using a green screen and <laughs> some other some other tricks but I'm 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 happy with how it wrapped up because as of now that will that will be the last video I've filmed in China until I ever go back so should people go to barstoolsports.com to see that yeah or you can go to the Wonton Don YouTube page okay so and then Twitter Wonton Don Twitter, your name is the Wonton Dot, but it's at Donnie Does World. Go give Donnie yeah, a follow. Yeah, and then on, on YouTube, it's just Wonton Don. The Wonton Don. How did that name come about? So, um, it, it came out because I love wontons, and I love crab rangoon, my favorite type of food, and I actually like to make my own. I did a cooking show with my Chinese cleaning lady where we would make a different type of crab rangoon each week, and... If you don't know, that's like a wonton wrapper filled with cream cheese and some other type of meat and then deep fried. Um, there was like, I was going to do something for 
Barstool recently, and I think it was, um, oh, it was a promo for, what's that Karate Kid spinoff? Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. It was like, to promote that, and I guess um, someone there was like, okay, yeah, we're going to have Wonton Don play a part in it. And they were like, oh, no, Wonton Don can't be in it because that name sounds racially insensitive. <laughs> so I just wasn't allowed to be in it. But, yeah, a lot of people, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's a racially insensitive name. I mean, I actually am passionate about wontons, and it just it sounds very cool. Charlie, we got a problem. The wonton Don, he's white. What are we going to do? <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, so you love wontons, and have you had any other trouble with that name, like white, white cultural appropriation, blah blah blah, whatever, any other buzzword people use? Um, yeah, but I feel like some of my videos, it's also just like, sh it's like showing that it exists. It's almost like pointing it out. It's not trying to hide from the fact. It's like, look, this is like absurd white privilege here. Um, but I, I wasn't using it in a malicious manner, but it's kind of just pointing out that it's it's absurd that it still exists like this in some places. Yeah, I'm sure there's a guy in China named like Hamburger Heilong or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, good. China has a weird... <laughs> they've done like a few things which like in, in TV commercials and stuff that if you put those in the U.S., we'd be like, oh my, this is the most racist thing I've ever seen. I can't believe they did that. But they'll just put it on TV in China and be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, I wasn't looking at it like that." Like, shit. I, like, I know there's the TV commercial where there's a black man, and then they put him in the washing machine, and he comes out a Chinese man, and they're like, "Use our laundry detergent." Like a really cute, effeminate Chinese guy, too, right? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. That was actually the the funny thing. You you always think if something like racist like that comes out of China, it's it's you know ignorance or something. But that was actually yeah. a copy of a European commercial where a like I think it was Italian or French and like some schlubby Mediterranean looking guy goes in the washer and he comes out as a black guy, and it was something okay. about like color like keeps the color in the the clothes or something. Yep. So the Chinese just copied that ad, the racist ad. Mm-hmm. All right. They've done that a few times. <laughs> just a few. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the reasons I like, I did such, like, so many weird things in my vids, which were probably breaking some sort of law, but I never you know, had the police show up, like, show up at my doors, because in my videos, I never really touched on politics um, that much, and I think, like, that's just one of the things, if I was, like, I don't know, if I was talking about Taiwan in my videos, like, that maybe I would have gotten a knock on the door, been like, hey, stop putting out YouTube vids. Yeah, if your YouTube channel was the Tibet Titan instead of the Wonton yes. Don, you, you might have problems. Yeah. All right. Um, so you told us about Tajikistan. That's like the weirdest thing you ever did or ever encountered. How about in China? Did you ever have something really bizarre or really crazy happen to you there? 
Um, I'm sure. I mean, each of the white face jobs blew my mind. Um, just the fact that I was doing it. Uh, I'm trying to think about what's like, what's the weird, craziest thing. Weird what? people. So one, one thing I love about going abroad and being an expat is all the weird people you meet. You meet some real characters. Other expats is what I mean. Not necessarily the yeah. locals. Um, I mean, I remember being at a, a party in Guangzhou and like, um, someone had been feeding this kid research chemicals all night where it's like, it's Molly man, but you don't actually know what it is. And we're at an after party at someone's apartment. And all of a sudden I hear a girl shriek and we look over and the kid is standing on the balcony with just a bunch of poop dripping down his shorts. Um, just had no idea. He had just pooped himself. And like, I had, I had to be the one to walk over to him and be like, Hey man, like, I hate to break it to you, but I think you may have just pooped your pants. And like, he looked down at his leg and he was like, Oh, that's not mine. That's not mine. <laughs> just raining down his pants. Um, and half the people there were cracking up and then have to be like, dude, stop laughing. The kid's going to be like really depressed. Uh, so we tried to break the news lightly. Well, it wasn't his, uh, but, so there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Yeah, but it's like you meet people like that, and then who knows, the following morning they could be teaching kindergarten. Uh, That's probably half the maybe 20 to 40 demographic of Americans over in yeah, China. Yeah, right? like they're going in to teach kindergarten, and then the person who sold them the drugs is going in to be the headmaster of the kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's the type of shit, like, it's so funny, but I feel like if there was ever a TV show that came out about like the hilarity of being an expat in China, like from, you know, year 2000 to 2016, it wouldn't be able to be made in China because China wouldn't allow you to show any of the actual funny stuff. It would have to be like made in the U.S. with just Chinese actors and some other actors. Dude, I, I honestly think about that all the time, and I think you would need to make it a cartoon, even just to do it justice, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier that you were going over there to teach and you had some qualification issues, but it's kind of funny that a lot of the people over there teaching kids are white, but they're Russian, and they don't even speak English that well, and they get English teaching jobs. Yeah, and the crazy thing is I heard that now some schools will prefer a Russian teacher because they know they won't have to pay them as much. So if it's a school that they really want a white teacher teaching them English, but they can't afford uh, and a teacher from the U.S. or the U.K., they'll actually just, like, go out and seek a Russian dude that they can pay, like, like 8,000 RMB a month. Yeah, you get this black lady from america she's got a master's in english highly educated really well spoken great teacher sorry you're black i need the i'm gonna need that white russian guy who barely speaks english i think he's gonna be a better exactly. face for the for the school yep that's ridiculous um but yeah i mean i i loved it in shanghai definitely i didn't mind the crackdown as much because right around the time that I was I stopped partying as much and going out as much and having those nights where you're out till like the following morning 
was when they started to crack down. So I didn't like feel it as much. I just knew like it, a lot of people didn't really feel safe going out. Uh, and I had like a couple friends that were kicked out of China. So I definitely felt it. I just wasn't seeing it firsthand. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it was easy to avoid if you didn't go to bars. But dude, one Monday night during the summer, they raided Fat Cow at like 6 p.m. And Monday's the buy one, get one burger night there. So yeah, it's always packed and it's that. full of young people. So they raided that place. So, I mean, you could be you could be there with your family and all of a sudden they're locking the doors and they're making you pee in a cup and wait. Yes, I think actually a, a girl I know, she was there with her dad, who's a cop. And like her dad, <laughs> who's a cop just visiting her from the US, had to pee in a cup. Did he test positive? I, I believe not. I knew a girl, um, but a Canadian. I, I, I think one of the reasons I love Shanghai too much that is that even though it's the largest city in the world, it kind of felt like a small town. Because um, I think the amount of uh, foreigners there, I thought it was like 500,000. I think it's just like 170,000 or something. It might um, be that number, but it's it's mostly Koreans and Japanese, and they stay yes. in their, their zones for the most part, so you barely even notice that there are yeah. other foreigners over there. So it's like you're living in a small town and the town is way more diverse than what I'm used to. Like I grew up into a town that was probably 90% Irish Catholic. And then you're in this small town and on the other side of the world, but it's the most diverse group of people. So you're meeting folks from South America, Europe, um, Australia, all over Asia. Um, you know, you're meeting people from all those places each night and then there's also like you can fully submerge yourself in Chinese culture too if you're if you're trying to do that. Yeah, so, you just go to like, Hongko district. Yes, like the range of the range of experiences you can have there, or you can even have in one night, was just off the charts compared uh, compared to the other places I had lived in my life. That's where I started partying when the crackdown started. I started going to the very Chinese areas like Hongko, where there's no, no foreigners hang out there really, unless they're going to that knockoff Central Perk, the cafe from Friends that was up there. Yep. Yeah. I went there uh, once, I believe. What was that, sir? I think I I went there once to film a video. <laughs> I used my office used to be next to that place, so I used to go there for lunch almost every week. Okay. Yeah, dude, uh, Shanghai is like probably the most multicultural, one of the most multicultural cities I've been to. Like you go to a place like Tokyo where there's a lot of foreigners. It's not like Shanghai where there's people from every continent and there's a lot of them. And a lot of them are entrepreneurial. They're doing, they're starting their own businesses over there, starting restaurants. It's pretty wild. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, New York is very multicultural, but it's probably a, a little more clicky in, the t in terms of, like, a lot of cultures will just, like, hang out at spots where they're surrounded by other people from their same culture. But, I mean, just with, there's a lot of people that, that come to Shanghai from all over the world. They know they're going to only be there for two to five years, and they just, they want to go out and meet people. Yeah. Not here for a long time, but here for a good time. 
so since you stopped partying, what did, what was your favorite thing to do, like in Shanghai or China? What was, did you go out to eat, or what, what did you typically do over there when you weren't working or making content? I honestly loved how walkable Shanghai was. Like, I loved going for long walks and, like, make, and probably making a pit stop at a few bars, but you could kind of, like, in the main ring of the city, you could kind of walk all around it a full day. And I just loved doing that when the weather was nice, um, especially in the fall. And yeah, just exploring, observing. You would always, there'd always be something cool going on. Uh, and food as well. I mean, when I first got there, my favorite were the teppanyaki nights, which I like, obviously that's not Chinese food, but for maybe, 40 bucks you could go to this spot and get like all you can eat Japanese sushi and steak and chicken as well as all you can drink as well and you would just get a table for maybe 15 friends that did was you like have so a high throw out throw up sorry a high throw up rate uh, maybe at first but then you slowly learn how to handle it um, and then I mean, in terms of Chinese food, Sichuan, like I just, I love those big family style dinners where you have the giant lazy Susan um, and you can post up and just drink and eat for three hours and the bill might, might come to like $25 a person. Yeah. Banquet style. Yeah. Um, the- and traveling within China too. I, one of the last trips I took before I left was uh, three days in Yangshuo, and I just love that. That's where they have all the Karst Mountains, and one of the few rivers that you can swim in, or at least I hope you can swim in it because I did. But I went down there during the October holiday. I just remember the water was the perfect temp. It was so beautiful. It was just, and it's a very touristy town, but you can you can find some incredible spots to hang out in yeah the natural beauty makes up for any of that overly tourist feeling yep Uh, what's your opinion on Baijiu I despise it can you Um, explain what it is for everybody watching or listening uh, it's the most popular type of Chinese liquor it's white so it looks like it should taste like vodka but I don't know, it kind of tastes like the devil jizzed in a bouquet of flowers. Um, yeah, it's a little fragrant, a little sweet. You know but, what? I just, but it like, tastes you, like hell. You take one, yeah, you take one shot and you have the aftertaste in your mouth for like the next 48 hours. Yeah, those burps the next day are lethal. Yeah, but it is a fun drunk. If you can get some shots down, it is a very fun drunk. Yeah, those banquet dinners. That's that's I think the only occasion where you can drink baijiu. It's got to be with food, Chinese food, obviously, and it actually yep. pairs with it okay. Like I when I studied in Hefei, this is 2005. The first time I studied in China, I was there on this exchange program that my university had with them, and my um, advisor was really good friends with the administrators. And I'd say like two, three times a week, they'd take us out to a giant banquet with tons of food, we, like, we barely finish half the food, and just bottles and bottles of Baijiu, and they would just get us fucked up. 
This is what this is all these guys did. The administrators they just got super fucked up every night. If they weren't hosting us for a banquet, they're hosting somebody else. So I don't know how productive they were during the daytime because they were just sloshed on by Joe pretty much every night of the week. Yeah, I don't know how they do it either. Those guys, I, there's, I don't know. I've, I've obviously seen a lot of very drunk Chinese out there, but um, I know they have a, a reputation of not being able to handle their alcohol. But you see a lot that can just go shot for shot all night long with each other. Were you a big KTV guy? It grew on me a bit. Um, it was never my favorite activity, but it, it would be like, I knew some foreigners out there, they would like to just go out with a group. Like, I, I would prefer to go out with a group of Chinese people. Like, if that's what they wanted to do for fun, it'd be more fun, I guess. The Have you noticed, like, in Chinese cultures, as you were saying before, you would be at these banquets for work, whereas, like, in the U.S., you would never want to get, like, blackout in front of your boss. But in China, it was almost encouraged to get, like, blackout in front of your boss. Like, your boss would be upset at you if you didn't get absolutely hammered at a work event. Yeah, I definitely implemented that in, in the team I managed in Shanghai when I was living over there. I had probably about 20 people on my team. And whenever somebody left the company, we would do a going-away lunch banquet at, like, a Dongbei restaurant, Chinese Northeastern food. And we would get, not just baijiu, we'd get the really elaborate medicinal baijiu that had, like, lizards and snakes and scorpions and yeah. all sorts of weird, creepy stuff in it. And it would make them drink that and make everybody drink it. And it, that was the way to go. I think it's it's a good team-building exercise, I would say. Yeah, it is great. It's like you're I've all going really to hell together. You, yeah. You've never really known someone until you've gotten blackout on baijiu uh, with them. Indeed. So are you going to go back to China anytime soon? Uh, once the borders reopen, I would love to go back for like three weeks or a month just to say my final goodbye and like uh, say my goodbyes in person and visit some of my favorite spots. I don't know if I'll be moving back out there full time. Um, I would love to go to the Winter Olympics which are going to be in China in 2022. Uh, it would be amazing to kind of cover the Olympics for Barstool and put my China background to good use. That might get boycotted, though. you got to be careful. could get real political. Because of coronavirus? Or why? Because the Uyghurs. The Uyghurs, oh, yeah. Donnie. Yeah, so I guess the last time that china hosted the olympics was this was this before the uyghur thing was even was even a problem i think it's been a problem for a while but it it, it escalated under xi jinping so the 2008 olympics that was that was hu jintao's china that was the good old days that was a different time man i really yeah, reminisce well, hu jintao's china the only thing i've noticed from that which, because obviously I have, I have, I've never been to that part of China, but just there used to be so many Uyghurs just on the streets in Shanghai. Um, they were they would always be selling you weed, but they were always very nice people. Just uh, they would run those Shaokao barbecue stands sometimes as well. Um, 
but my last year in Shanghai, I like n- never saw them around. Yeah, they cleared them out. Yeah. Because they were on the streets selling dope in the French concession usually. And there was a yeah. lot of African guys there selling drugs there too. Usually the African dudes are selling coke. The Xinjiang guys are, smoke, are selling weed. Yeah. And yeah, those weren't really around. Dude, I, I learned something pretty interesting about that area. Like around uh, Camel Bar, like that little area in the French concession. So all that land was owned by the army apparently for for a while and the the shanghai city government was kind of in conflict with them trying to reclaim some of those neighborhoods so i think that the chinese army was behind all those drug dealings i think they were getting a a cut off the top of every deal that went down on those streets because it was so blatant like those xinjiang dudes these guys are already racially profiled and they're, they're 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 yelling on the street yelling marijuana and they'd like put it in your face yeah. to smell it. They were just out in the open. There's like a cop a block away. And I didn't know how these guys did it. I mean, it, it only makes sense that they were being protected by somebody. And I think the army had all those connections. Yeah. Or maybe that was honestly back when Chinese cops didn't know what weed was. And then all of a sudden they were all sat down for a seminar. And they were like, this is what drugs are. You need to stop. You need to start enforcing them. Here, smell this. It smells like Chinese medicine. Yes. Like you'd be walking down the street. Sorry, go ahead. Chinese medicine is what I used to call all the weird research chemicals that people would sell (laughs) in China. (laughs) That stuff. Dude, but you Um, you ever smell that burning, that burning smell in Shanghai or anywhere in China that kind of smelled like weed, but you're pretty sure it wasn't weed? Yeah. Yeah, there'd always be some kind of Chinese medicine burning smell in a lot of neighborhoods. I don't know. I still don't know what that was, but people would always be like, is that weed? Yeah, I don't. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have no idea what that was. Yeah, I mean, I never got to say goodbye to my cleaning lady out there. That was oh, kind of sad. Because, like, we got pretty close. She invited me to her hometown for Chinese New Year once. Uh, like, her hometown in... Anhui, as yeah. well as her home in Shanghai. You did videos with that, right? Yeah. That was that before Barstool. Um. Yeah, the ones where I went to her home village, those were before Barstool. So check out the Wonton Don on YouTube. You could go deep in the archives. Check out the pre-Barstool stuff. This is when Donnie became a big deal in China, and became hated on Reddit. Yeah. Dude, I can't... Um, you can't post any original content on Reddit. That isn't geeky as hell. And then you get, yeah. like... They downvote the hell out of you. They, like, oh, this this is... I don't know, they call you a douchebag or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain type of person who goes to China to really get away from other foreigners. And, like, that, they call it Marco Polo Syndrome, where they're like, no, like... I'm the only I'm the only foreigner here, and um, they kind of just like I don't know. I guess they just frown upon what a, a lot of other expats are doing there. Yeah, it's just weird control freaks. I think. Yeah. 
right, man. But I don't. I never really had. Um, I've never had a really bad experience with like someone walking up to me and being like, "I absolutely hate your content." <laughs> you never got in a fight. Um, no, I did get into a fight once in China, but I was not. It was not my fight to get into. I shouldn't have gotten involved, but I just saw a fight happening and made a comment, and then um, everyone just started to fight me. <laughs> yeah. So that's like the main thing I've learned too. Like, um, I never got in trouble there because I was never selling drugs in China. Um, I would never talk about the government, and I would never fight a Chinese person. Because uh, you just you hear horror stories. There was a uh, an American football player in China, and he got jumped by some. Chinese guys fought back and seriously injured one of the guy's eyes, and he was in jail for maybe four years. Oh, he just got out recently, right? Yeah, and he got out. Like, so the thing is, even if you didn't start the fight, like, if you win the fight, it's going to be all blamed on you. So your best bets are just don't get in a fight, or if you get into a fight, lose it. And I would say in the West. It, there's a real like man on man fight attitude where it's going to be you and me fighting who's the better man in China it's who raises the biggest army those are the principles for fighting there so a fight yeah. starts the dude calls up a hundred friends to come beat your ass and they yeah. don't care about the honor or any of that stuff it's all about raising an army and destroying you yeah but most Chinese people I've met out there it's like especially in Shanghai they're there wasn't a lot of anti-foreigner sentiment that I saw. Um, I think I talked to people who lived up in Beijing, and they saw more of that, and they saw more fights and like random foreigners getting jumped. But that type of thing was pretty rare in Shanghai. Yeah, the northern dudes are a lot more aggressive for sure. Yeah. Well, dude, um, we've been on the we've been recording for over an hour. Um, I think we can wrap it up. Is there anything you want to plug before you go offline? Um, no, just follow the wonton Donna. I will try to get back to China at some point. And thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's tough. I like. I'm happy that I've been filming some videos out in China because just when you're out there for for like eight years there's just so much absurd things that go down and you eventually start to start to forget about it. Like every once in a while, I'll have a flashback and be like, damn, I was actually doing that for like four months of my life. Um, so it's nice to have some sort of documentation. Yeah, dude. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to create this show is I want to document stories from expats, good stories, weird, wild, whatever. And this is just a great place to do that. I'm glad you came on for the first episode. You're, I'd say you're a pretty big deal on Twitter, so I really appreciate you looking at a smaller channel like mine and, and coming on the show, so I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's always fun to reminisce, and if I'm cruising through Texas, I'll let you know. Yeah, for sure, man. Okay, we'll wrap it up. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Expats on Air. You can find us on YouTube, Expats on Air. Uh, we'll start doing live shows. We'll be on Twitch and DLive, Expats on Air. So go give us a follow. And we'll see you later.
Thanks for watching. Zai Jen. Zai Jen.